0: Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And again, we're continuing our conversation about UMGC and their Military Veteran Entrepreneur and Appreciation Fair going down on April 28th. And uh, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of people uh, over the course of these last few podcast episodes about jobs, about ways to get jobs, ways to found your own company, um, ways to educate yourself on all manner of things, uh, ways to get into tech. And one thing we've kind of left out are our government jobs. And mainly there's a labyrinth of business to business connections and ways that people can work within and around procuring government contracts and doing the work that is so behind the scenes. Most of us don't even know how it happens. We just see an organization. We know there's an office there for something or something we need in our community. And we just take for granted how the money gets there or how the services, how they got take, you know, how the money comes down from the federal government. That is a huge career field. And I speak to my mid-Atlantic brothers and sisters out there, uh, DC, Baltimore, New Jersey, New York, Philly. If you're in and around a lot of those areas, Northern Virginia, uh, you know what I'm talking about. There are just immense amounts of employment opportunities working in and around the federal government, sometimes working directly for the government. And in our next case, uh, people that work kind of side by side with the government to help that contracting process happen. And there's money to be made, my veteran friends. So with that, let's say hello to a proud Marine Corps veteran, uh, Lori, <laughs> Lori Sales. Lori, how are you? Hi, how are you? So grateful to be here
2: with you, Philip. I'm telling you, this is such a joy and a treat to have UGMC, University of Maryland Global Campus, UMGC, do what they do when it comes to us veterans, and I so appreciate that.
1: Yeah, right on. Uh, you're an interesting study as I was looking at all these businesses that I spoke about in the lead in. Um, I haven't ever really dove deep into the kind of things that you work with and mainly contract right. procurement and, and, and doing things like that. Before we get into the kinds of jobs and the kind of career that you've forged, let's first rewind and talk a little bit before you were big time CEO, civility management solutions. Um, I, you were just a gal looking for a break, heading, uh, you know, to the golden footprints, going to become a Marine. Talk to me about okay. how your journey started.
2: Well, my journey started, actually, I'm born and raised out of Chicago. I modeled professionally during high school, so I was always accustomed to making my own money. I always had some type of job, some type of hustle, as we call it, uh, very <laughs> entrepreneurial. Uh, and yet, at the same time, the city of Chicago is swallowing me up. So I decided that I was going to make a change and I said I was going to join the military and the Navy was actually uh, was the influence because I was uh, living in Chicago and as you know you' all have a boot camp nearby and I would watch the guys come into the city with their white hats on getting ready for graduation and we became friends I mean I became friends with many we became pin pals and things like that. But when I came um, to the realization that I really wanted to do this, I ended up talking to a guy that, I knew, that knew me for many, many years that was in the Marine Corps. And I didn't even know women were in the Marine Corps. So that was like a wow! I was like, they got women in the Marine Corps? He says yes. So I actually joined the Marine Corps, never seeing a woman Marine, never seeing anything about a woman Marine, and and got in there and just so loved it. It was good for me. It was an easy transition growing up in Chicago, uh, uh, dealing with uh, having a father and two brothers in my home. Uh, so I can, I was able to manage. I'm not intimidated by men. So if I had that problem, that would have not been good because you know, Marine Corps is dominated by males uh, for the most part of all the branches. And so I went through that journey, came out to the civilian world, and just tried to find my way. Starting off as a receptionist because I wanted to come out of a uniform. I wanted to be in corporate America. And so receptionist, admin assistant, an executive assistant, an uh, uh, operations uh, manager was really the plight I took. And then I landed a job as a project manager, which I had no idea what that was. And that was my entry point into government. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? I mean, they got me on a contract. I'm inside of a federal government building. I thought everybody that worked inside of federal government were federal government employees. And that was my rude awakening of what this was. And I started evaluating it because I had a hustle all the time. I always had supplemental income. But you know, it's just supplemental income. So I got a revelation. I'm like, this is the wealth transfer right here. They like the fact that I'm a woman, woman owned small business. They like the fact that I'm minority for the 8-8 program. They like the fact that I'm a veteran, service disabled veterans. I'm like, ooh, this really looks better and better and better. So I begin to, you know, take the course of learning more about what government contracting was as far as a owner in the entrepreneur thought process. And Got involved with the Procurement Technical Assistance Center, and I was on my way. And after that, I got me an SBA score mentor, and we set some things up, and I've been churning ever since uh, 2012.
1: Looking back at the Marine Corps days, can I ask what was your MOS? Because it sounds to me like you did have some administrative ability and organizational ability. So either you were the smartest eleven Bravo I've ever met, or uh, no. <laughs> you know I love my. You know I love my infantry people. Come on, stop it. Come no, on. but what was your background?
2: When I served, those women were we were not we were women Marines. We were not even allowed to touch those categories of work. But I was O Four Eleven, which was a maintenance management clerk. Which uh basically my job was to oversee how much equipment that would include, you know, M sixteens, tents, trucks, um, forklifts, radios, the whole nine, anything and all things that equate to actually being in war. Uh, we would to my office oversaw the readiness of the battalion at any given time. You know, Marines are great to go do what they do, but if they're not equipped to do what they do, then it's, they're wastes, right? So we wanted to always be 98% ready at all times. And my job was walking around, barking at people in some cases about why is this truck down? You know, a lot of times the nomenclature was about that big, right? It's a little tiny pin. And I'm looking at this huge machine. I'm going, it's a tiny pin, a tiny pin. But yeah, that's why the machine wasn't working. And uh, we would uh, have to wait on the supplies to come in and- and so it was a good job. I enjoyed that job uh, in the Marine Corps. And, of course, it did allow me to work in an office environment. Uh, so I got familiar with using the green machine, which was a huge computer that sat across your entire desk in comparison to what we have today, right? Things are in your hand. <laughs> How things have changed.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I want all veterans to hear this that have had that admin logistics background. Um that's heavy stuff, and when you take away military jargon, when you take away all of the acronyms and all the stuff, I say it's yes. heavy because like, that's powerful. Those are powerful skill sets, managing and organizing and making sure that cities yes. can be built. I mean, think about all the stuff that it took to even run Bagram in F. Yes. You've got everything from bathrooms and showers to kitchens and cooks, and then you've got the hardware of the military. You're basically moving a mechanized city every yes. time one of those groups goes out or needs to set up shop on a new fob and, and all that has to be supplied. And I think that a lot of veterans overlook the applicability of those skills to the civilian world. And that's kind of where I want to go next with this is tell me, like, when when did you discover that like knowing how to manage logistics for thousands of parts and hundreds and thousands of machines and personnel, when did you realize that like, wait a minute, the government is paying people to manage this process, and you can make a handsome income doing that. When did that light bulb go off for you?
2: It, it, well, because I was always an entrepreneur, even before the Marine Corps ever got their hands on me, getting over into the government contracting space, it, it was just an eye-opening in, in itself because I realized basically these are small businesses that exist that are staffing up positions within the federal government, doing anything from logistics to admin to IT. So it was more of just a revelation of, I can do this because I have leadership skills, because I am a great manager, because I don't know how to fail. I'm always focusing on winning, uh, because I have great resilience, because I have discipline. I mean, these were things that just all kind of came in together that we all receive when we serve, no matter pretty much what branch you served in. These are things that you get at, at, at its root. And so bringing all those things to the forefront and applying now what we also do very well in the military is we train. You know, we, we, we train. That's how come we are considered numero uno in the world, right, because we train up. And so I know I had to apply now the training that was necessary in order to understand the industry that I was interested in, in entering. And let's be honest, also as veterans, we're very familiar with following a process and a procedure and regulations. So, you know, if you give me the playbook, I can, I can roll with that all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? Because the government has rules and regulations about how things have to be done. You don't get to just walk in there and say, I don't think that the computers should look like they are looking. I think they should be pink. You don't get to just go in the government and make those kinds of stuff. this is how we do things and you just need to fall in place, which is a which is exactly what we got from whatever branch of the military we served in. This is how we do things and you fit in that and then you make it happen
1: mm. now not everybody has the leadership skills that you've presented which got you to uh, basically found uh the company again we're talking about your company That's- civility management solutions um I don't know where I want to go next, whether I want to get into the specifics of what you do there, or let's start with this just to kind of put it in context. Give me one project that you've brought home or uh, done from beginning to end that, that one you're kind of proud of and two that c- kind of shows what exactly civility management solutions does. I hear government procurement. I hear that you talked, you said earlier wealth transfer or money transfer. I mean, yes. you know, anytime money's changing hands, it's nice to be part of that equation because you get, you get, they get some money. You got some money. He gets some money. I mean, I see how it yes. works, but yet it's kind of abstract to me to go, wait a minute, w- w- government procurement. Give me an example of uh, like a real life project you worked on.
2: Okay. Well, the very first project we had an opportunity to work on, which is was- Pretty testy, but yet we did it as a very young company uh, because one of the agencies we were working for, they had a a lawsuit from the union. And it was on regard of all the individuals of the union that worked inside that agency. They were not receiving the increase of the travel stipend. You know, every year it goes up. Well, for whatever the reason, this agency was not doing it. So here it is. They were still getting, you you know, $25 and they should have been up to $45. So Our company actually went in and did an assessment and analysis. Uh, We brought in a a PMP level individual uh, as well as some other individuals that were good in the budget analyst fiscal uh, responsibilities to to determine how much money each employee of this particular uh, component of the agency was owed, which was a big deal because some people were going to and from work, not just on a train, and on a bus, but they were going to work also, you know, on boats because they had to travel across waters like Staten Island area. And so that was kind of an amazing experience because we had like four people on that team, but it was around Christmas that we finalized uh, all the, the dollars for each individual and everybody got this wonderful Christmas bonus, even though we weren't contacted and thanked because we were the contractor brought in by the federal government agency. But I'm sure the individuals in that federal government agency is quite pleased with the, the agency as a whole that year for these bonuses. That was one of the very first opportunities we had when it was a $2 million contract and we were able to get some putting and some infrastructure to move forward and continue to grow.
1: Wow. And if I can ask, what category was the end line work uh, that these workers were doing? Were they building a ship? Were they building this, a helicopter? This is uh, uh, program management. Basically,
2: because it was a program that needed to happen, you know, which is, you know, it had a beginning and an end date. And we were there to manage that program and ensure success. Mm. And other words that we do that I would like to just share real quick that I really enjoy that we do because it's grown. I have a subject matter expert in conference logistics. And a lot of people think about events and just big old conferences. Well, you know, in the federal government, you know, there's major discussions that are taking place on how to create policy. And so, Congression mandated also another contract for us is one that's grandparents raising grandchildren. You know, Congress is interested in producing a policy on behalf of grandparents that are needing to do that in this country. And we're actually um, the contractor that is facilitating all of the meetings, the stakeholder meetings, from the secretary down to the individuals that are either grandparents themselves or the subject matter experts of that particular area of expertise and pulling everything together. And we've submitted our first draft uh, over to uh, Congress for them to review, uh, to implement a policy for the land. And I, I enjoy, of course, being a part of that because we're making it different in people's lives.
1: Wow. And I guess as a kid that grew up outside D.C., I, I, I do take for granted how some of those discussions happen. You know, you think it all happens under the Capitol Dome or in, you know, the Hart Senate office building or something, but no, I mean, like, when they're determining how much money to, say, give for uh, the earned income child tax credit or something. They had to meet with industry experts and child okay. care experts and yes. tax experts. And then they had to have all these experts meet with all these elected officials. And that couldn't all happen, I would imagine, in Washington, D.C. So sometimes you're booking conference centers or you're booking other places. Many times these elected officials have to travel, I'm assuming, to like several other states to yes. hear from each panel of subject matter experts. So when they finally get down to figuring out how much money or how much tax credit the citizen taxpayer will get, yes. they've had a full discussion with people that actually know, and it's not just lobbyists and lawyers and uh, cheeky, sneaky people in, you know, fancy suits (laughs) and (laughs) they're making decisions at old Ebbett grill, this fancy ass restaurant in DC. That's Um, good.
2: That's good. And so that's, and we just got renewed for another three years. So, you know, even though we've done a lot of work to get where we are, there's still much work still to be done because once it's actually even mandated now, you know, health and human services has to do some implementation in-house and we'll be a part of that as well so yeah that's it's a great journey and you're right it's a lot going on even with the fact that we had covid we did not lose that contract because the work still needs to be done because it was congressly mandated so we the zoom the the webinar and the webex all of that became live for us and because we had a subject matter expert on board she immediately pivoted and just made the adjustment to say okay everything's going to be done online
1: when you start getting into this conference space And I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but does it begin with an issue that you're passionate about, like in this case, grandparents raising childrens, Or does it start with, I know a subject matter expert in this, and that organization is really trying to get some traction in D.C. to get this wrong fixed or to get this problem solved? Or does it begin the other way around, the government saying, we're trying to do all these things, and we don't know how the heck to do it. Can you help us find subject matter experts on fracking or on whatever the topic is that they want to legislate on?
2: Yeah, it's more of the latter. It's more of the latter. And as a small business owner, you have to make a decision. You know, pick like I say two to three federal government agencies that you're interested in, in the work that they do, right? And learn their mission and what their goals are. And health and human services is, is one I love. Department of Homeland Security, specifically Customer Borders Protection. I also have much love for them just because of what their jobs are, right? I I enjoy go back to HHS, is focusing on the people, the social part of the people. You know, as an African-American woman. I do have an interest in that. And then on the CBP side of the house, you know, hey, you know, I was a Marine. So now this is not about going across the world to protect everybody. This is about protecting us, custom borders here in our own country. So I have a a concern and and a passion for what they do. So that's the basis of it. And once you find those agencies, then you go digging into the weeds to find out, do they buy what I sell? And in my case, you know, I'm selling in the in the term of using staffing that I can find. Look, Air Force can call me. We've also worked with the Air Force. And say, you know, they need somebody to fly these F15 planes. Don't think I'm not going to go out and find however many pilots they need <laughs> to fly those planes because that's that's my job is to make sure I find the best talent to meet the need of whatever contract opportunity the federal government has placed before me and that I'm seeking to obtain. So some of our growth has come from doing good work here, doing good work here and doing good work here makes the phone ring to say, can you come help us?
1: Wow. I just, you know, my mind reels because again, while some of this could be kind of inside baseball. Some of this could be really technical speak. Some of this could be almost, you know, borderline dry. I mean, I ain't gonna lie, right? I mean, it is policy. It is procedures. It is, it is finding a way for government initiatives to be executed. That right there was too many syllables for some folk in a sentence. But what I do think is amazing is you started with just knowing the rudimentary things that, like a E six, a E seven, a you know, senior enlisted, like lower division officer. You started just knowing how to staff up and keep. MRAPs on the road to keep weapons firing, to keep bullets, to keep maintenance, to keep the 240s, to keep the 50 cals running. Like You were just doing the logistical maintenance, the the supply side side of the military, and that took you all the way to now managing $4 million or multi-million dollar contracts. Um, Tip of the cap to you there, Lori. That is awesome. Thank
2: you. Thank you very much, sir. And, you know, I'm so glad you pulled that part out because – you know, as veterans, you know, if you want or have any interest in entrepreneurship, you have definitely received the basic
1: skills to pull it off. Right on. Spoken <laughs> like a true devil dog. I like yes, it. Yes, sir. Like Semper Fi. All <laughs> right. Um last question I guess I have would be if I'm a veteran looking for work in this space, we've talked so much about government procurement. We've talked about these uh, management companies and these things that, these groups that manage these large projects. But then I think about my Google search, like, well, I'd like to work for one of these jobs. I'd like to find a company where I could maybe get a veteran mentor. That's doing this kind of work. And, and again, working with the money exchange and helping manage these critical programs. But then I think, well, if it's me, then I just Google government jobs and I'd start looking at, you know, do I want to be a GS 7, 8, 9, 11? And, and you're talking about a kind of an area adjacent to those jobs. What right. Google terms or what terms am I putting in my Googler there and searching for? Am I looking for government contractors? Give me some keywords I can search to help find companies like yours and 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 maybe as a veteran in another place, get into this workspace.
2: And, I mean, and thank God for Internet and Google. When I got out, <laughs> that did not exist. You had the newspaper. You pick up the phone and you look for a job the good old-fashioned way. But I can tell you now, thanks to the Internet and, and Google, we have, you know, a great joy of that. A lot of them can actually Google whatever the, not the numbers, not the 0411, but maintenance management clerk. I could have Googled that today and probably would have found some job opportunities that had those keywords in there because that was my job. And then you can get into the specifics of just break down of the bullet points of what was I doing every day? You know, uh, 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 data analysis, repairing, uh, uh, like when I think about some of the things I had to repair. I mean, just simple words, but you just kind of, you know, I think it's ruling operators is what they're called that I learned at the (laughs) University of Maryland uh, when I was a student there that you use those boolean operators to, in order to just put in different keywords and then see what actually pulls forward based on whatever your expertise was when you were actually serving and be shocked at what you might see. And, you know, as far as looking specifically for government contract opportunities, indeed, tends to be one, you know, job search location where a lot of jobs have put you in the government as a contractor.
1: Mm. Right on. Okay. So indeed is a good search engine to find things, uh, keywords like procurement, government contracting, and then even including some words and some descriptors from your own MOS are things yes. that we could type in and find out who's supporting those programs. And I've taken from your story also, if it's a passion of yours, if it's an interest, if it's a government program, that's helping uh, young women, uh, literacy, hunger, um, uh, housing. I mean, if those are things you're interested in search contractors that yes. work within those verticals of the government, and you may uh-huh. be able to find companies similar to yours that are looking to help implement those government programs to help people that That's could actually good. be a great way to plug in. So a, a lot of information. Here. Very cool. If somebody wanted to reach out to you too, and just and get their story, tell me more about how to reach civility management solutions.
2: Well, it is Civility Management Solutions, but it's Civility MS, uh, and that is our website, civilityms.com. And amazingly, so many people don't know how to spell civility. I am not going to do it for these veterans. They better figure that out <laughs> because I'm like, hey, you know, civility is practicing, uh, being responsible, practicing, you know, restraint from your, from your mouth. You know what I mean? Uh, so yes, civilityms.com.
1: I love it. I love it, and a spelling (laughs) lesson to boot. Y'all gonna have to look that up (laughs) yourself, but uh, very cool. All right, Founder Civility Management Solutions and Marine through and through, Lori Sales. An absolute pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much for joining us on CBSI and Veterans. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.